Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I feel like the way a lot of people think about post-pandemic life is like, we'll go back to normal. You know, kids will go back to school and things are like they were before. But reading your reporting and talking with you, it's sort of like things are not going to be the same or they can't be the same for everything to work out. I don't think they can be the same. And I don't think I don't think we're at a point where going back to normal is truly an option. We need to rebuild, recover and most importantly, reimagine what's possible for our students and not strive to get back to what we call normal and acknowledging that normal wasn't working for everyone. I got together with a group of education leaders across the country and I learned that the pandemic has taught us some things like there's no excuse for every kid not having a Chromebook in a hotspot now. I mean, kids have lost so much. The learning loss has been substantial, primarily in math. Students are way behind in math. We're seeing basically what amounts to uh, at least over about a year. Particularly for students of color, students from low-income families, they say they could even be further behind than a year, so that's been pretty troubling. That learning loss, it's another description of a gap, it's another description of inequities, but let's put it on the right system, and the system is the education system that existed prior to COVID, a system that we've all been trying to fix. So I think that we're on the cusp of a very new normal for what school looks like in America. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... Hi, I'm Delise Smith-Barrow, the education editor at Politico. Delise Smith-Barrow, on what students have lost to the pandemic and what she learned from talking to a group of education experts about how to get kids back on track. So, Delise, you got together nine different education leaders from all across the nation, and you all came up with recommendations for how to help kids catch up from a year of pandemic. And I want to walk through some of them with you. The first one is that rather than focusing on academics, even though there has been this big drop-off, particularly in math, like you mentioned, the first thing schools need to do once kids are back in the classroom is focus on the emotional needs of students, not necessarily schoolwork. Explain that to me. Sure. So I think that when you're going to school, besides learning about English and math and history, a lot of students are getting so much emotional support, whether it's from counselors or social workers or even just teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that coming into the end of the school year where a lot of kids are going to go back to school or even looking to the fall, I think there's a big push for educators to realize that whatever emotional support kids might have been getting in 2019, they might need it even more in 2021 mm -hmm. since they've lost so much um, in just stability and family members and friends because of COVID-19. So you have some children now who are going back to school that are orphans. They have lost every relative that would have taken care of them. 
So one thing that really stood out to me was some comments from Diana Kanoyer. She's the executive director for the National Indian Education Association. And she pointed out that Native students, Native Americans, they have been affected by COVID-19 more than other populations, more than we've seen from a lot of white families and white communities. You're looking at the trauma and everyone knows who's been watching TV for the last year, you know what happened in Navajo Nation. So take that large nation and then multiply it by every tribal nation and what they've gone through and the number of losses. So she was particularly focused on making sure that educators did not start off the first day of school telling kids, just turn to page 55 and let's get going. As, as hard as it is as educators, we can't worry about that academics right now. We need to get our students in the right frame of mind. That they take a step back and say, how are you? Mm. You know, just kind of check in with kids just to see how they're faring before focusing on academics. It's interesting. It makes you think sort of about how like teachers jobs are a lot more than just covering subjects that especially right now, like the mental health of their students is really something that that's going to be huge for them. Totally. So the next idea the educators you talked to came up with is once teachers and kids are back in the classroom, it's best not to change academic standards, even though kids are probably behind, like not go back over the content of last year, maybe even though kids have missed out on a lot of stuff. But um they say it's better to just go ahead with the curriculum of the grade the kids are in right now. That sounds a little bit counterintuitive to me, like given the fact that kids may have missed out on some stuff. Why is it best to go ahead with the curriculum if kids might be behind? Well, it's this issue where if you're trying to just focus on catching them up, if you're always looking behind at the rearview mirror, you're never looking ahead. So if they start fourth grade, let's say it's fall 2021 and it's a fourth grade class, you just don't Mm -hmm. want to start off teaching third grade material because it's kind of like, well, when will that end? When will you ever catch them up? Hmm. So the state superintendent of Mississippi, Carrie Wright, she really emphasized that the best way to get kids back on track is to move forward. We do not use the term learning loss in our state. Uh, We use the term, how are we going to accelerate learning? Maybe, you know, figure out a different way to teach the lesson, um, but to make sure that this is that you are focused on the current lesson, not the past lesson. I wholeheartedly agree with with Carrie around um, not just focusing on last year's content. It really does have to be about accelerating instruction, taking this year's standards and putting in the the right kinds of supports and systems for those students who have fallen behind. And Ryan Stewart, the state superintendent in New Mexico, he emphasized that, you know, one way to keep kids back on track is to adding extra supports in the classroom. So maybe it's extra educators or extra teachers to help kids catch up. So we're, we're making a big push around high dosage tutoring And also we're going to try to put more supports in the classroom through a teaching fellows program. But to also not focus on what happened last year or the lessons from last year, just to make sure that kids don't stay permanently behind. 
Hmm. Is that something that you think schools are prepared for, like financially and staff-wise, to have other teachers sort of on deck to be able to provide that support? I would say kind of. So, as you know, President Joe Biden, his America Rescue Plan Uh has now become law, and that allots for several billions of dollars for school districts all around the U.S. to help bring their students up to speed, improve classrooms, things of that nature. So to a certain extent, we know that a lot of schools, a lot of school districts are about to get a lot of money to help improve education in this country. Hmm. The last of these big ideas you all came up with that I wanted to talk about here is lengthening the school year or even making school year round to help give you know more time for kids to make up for some of the things they might have lost over the past year. In a way, that sounds like it makes total sense to me, giving more time, but also sounds kind of out there. Like thinking back to when I was in school, that kind yeah. of sounds like like a nightmare. <laughs> um, is that something that's being considered and, and that's really feasible here? I think in this moment, it is feasible. I think had we not had the pandemic, this would be more frowned upon. But I think mm-hmm. that educators are looking at one way to catch kids up is to be more creative about the school year. So maybe it's Saturday classes, Hmm. maybe it's a beefed up, you know, summer school curriculum Mm -hmm. and a curriculum where every kid is invited to participate, not just students who, you know, failed English class. Hmm. And some of the money that educators are getting from the federal government or maybe even their state governments, I think, will be used toward hiring. So Ryan Stewart in New Mexico, he's also looking at giving school districts the opportunity to lengthen the school year from anywhere between 10 to 25 days. So that way that kids have more time in the classroom, just more just more hours where they can dedicate to these subjects where they might be struggling. Um, and I think a few other jurisdictions are also trying to figure out what's the best way to make particularly summer school feel a little bit more enhanced. Um, so kind of a, a less overt way of lengthening the school year, but just sneaking in more school days. So D.C., for example, has a new program where they will be paying older students to go to school hmm. or they might be paying you to tutor you know, younger students, students who are behind, um, if you are a student who's doing well in that subject. Uh So maybe you're still having the typical fall, winter, spring school year, but you just might see a lot more kids in summer school. Um, Or it could be a situation like New Mexico, where the actual school year is just severely lengthened by up to 25 days. So people are being, you know, creative and just trying to think differently of how can we get kids back in the classroom to give them more time to catch up. Before I let you go, I'm curious, having talked with a panel of experts about how this pandemic has upended education, about how bad the problem is for kids, but also talking about ideas for how to fix this, do you feel hopeful that kids are going to come out of this okay? I don't know if I could say hopeful. I think some kids will come out okay. I feel... Like, we as a country have every reason to be concerned about Black and brown students and students from low-income families and students in rural communities. Because before the pandemic, we knew that a lot of those students weren't getting the resources they needed. Mm -hmm. Their school buildings were in bad shape. They didn't have enough teachers. 
they weren't doing well on standardized tests, et cetera, et cetera. So we we already knew that before the pandemic, there were so many kids who were struggling. Mm. To me, it would be unrealistic to think that those kids will suddenly be performing at grade level, have all the resources and teachers um, and an excellent school building come 2021 because of the investment from the federal government. So I don't feel hopeful. I think that some some students will be okay, but there will be many more students who will not be okay for a very long time. Delise Smith Barrow, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Also today, Half of U.S. adults have now received at least one coronavirus vaccine dose. The CDC announced the milestone on Sunday. Nearly 130 million people over the age of 18, or roughly 50.4% of the adult population, have gotten at least one shot, and almost 84 million, or about 32.5%, have been fully vaccinated. The news comes as states across the country are increasing access to shots, with all adults in the U.S. expected to become eligible for vaccinations starting today. And President Biden's national security advisor is warning that there will be repercussions for Russia if Alexei Navalny, the country's most prominent critic of President Vladimir Putin, dies. Speaking on CNN on Sunday, Jake Sullivan addressed reports that Navalny's health is rapidly deteriorating in prison, saying, quote, We have communicated to the Russian government that what happens to Mr. Navalny in their custody is their responsibility, and they will be held accountable by the international community. Sullivan did not specify what action the U.S. and its allies might take in the event of Navalny's death. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review and by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.